welcome to the Colors of Fatherhood podcast. Here, we shine a positive light on fathers of color and seek out their stories of trial and triumph while gaining insight on what it means to raise children in this country we call America. A quote from Dr. Franklin Pittman states, Fathering is not something perfect men do, but something that perfects the man. And now, your illustrious host, Lim Gonzalez. What's good, everybody? It's your boy, Lim Gonzalez, a.k.a. Saint, and this is the Colors of Fatherhood podcast. Of course, you know, I have a special guest in the virtual building. This brother is a children's book author. He's an entrepreneur and a content creator. And of course, he's on this podcast because he's an amazing father. Ladies and gentlemen, Tony Price. <laughs> Lil, what's up, boy? Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, man. I'm glad you accepted, my brother. You know, I follow you on social media, of course. And, you know, we've had our interactions when the world was open, right? And yeah, um, right. and so I just, you know, I appreciate what, what you're doing. And I like how seeing what you with the family and the, and the girls and, and everything. So I had to I had to have you bless the mic, man. I had to have you come on. But yeah, man, how's everything going? How you doing? Everything good? Everything is good, man. Like, you know, like I'm alive. I'm, I'm awake. You know, those are important things to keep in mind. Absolutely. Whatever it is that I think I'm going through, it could always be worse. Like I do this little thing where. You know, whenever I get ready to complain, I, I add on to it. Well, you could be blind, right? <laughs> like, you know, um, so, yeah. like whatever you got to do with and you can't see. So, you know, <laughs> right. So I'm just keeping it positive, man, keeping it moving and, and surviving and thriving at the same time. That's what's up, man. So first question I typically ask all of my guests is how did your life change when you became a father? I got married and had my kids late. And I think that's so important. But the big change is, is that, you know, I was really operating pretty well as like my own sovereign entity, right? Okay. Like, you know, like, you know, even with my wife, like, you know, I could come and go as I please, mm -hmm. you know, I can make decisions, you know, primarily for myself, as long as they didn't like affect her in a negative way. The way it changed my life initially was suddenly there was somebody else I was accountable to. You know, there was somebody else that needed right. like the first fruits of my efforts that needed my attention, that seized my time. Right. You know, and so that's how it, it changed. Like suddenly I had to make room for not only, you know, my children, but room for, you know, my my wife and mm -hmm. my wife with the kids, and me with my wife and me by myself. So just the whole thing just become a recalibration of time. And energy. Wow. Okay. You know, completely. What would you say was the biggest change? Because like you said, you was kind of moving freely. You was doing your, you know, doing your thing. What would you say was the biggest change um, that you had to make when you started having children? I mean, I think the biggest change that I had to make was a understanding that like their needs come first mm -hmm. and that it's an always on job. Like right. you're never off duty as a father. Right. Right. Like, you know, and you learn this, you learn this the very first night you bring them home. Mm -hmm. Like the very first night you bring them home, you fall asleep mm -hmm. at some point in time in the middle of the night, they let you know you cannot sleep on this job. Right. <laughs> like, no sleeping know, allowed. Even when, even when you think you're off the clock, you're still on. 
Mm. And that was the big adjustment, right? Like, you know, like I'm always on call. You know, Mm. if somebody is awake in the middle of the night, you're on. If somebody is hungry in the morning, you're on. Right. And not only are you responsible for their well-being from a biological standpoint, Mm -hmm. you know, you're responsible for everything that they have kind of going on between their ears. Like you're responsible to teach them right from wrong. You're responsible to teach them to clean up after themselves. Like you're responsible for like the the cultivation and the upbringing of like a human being and you're never off. And that was the big deal. That was the big deal. And, And like I said, like, you know, you know, me and my wife do recognize that like any underpaying job, mm-hmm. you need, you get a lunch break, you get your 15 minutes. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> so, and, and so we trade off in that, like I need to tap out and she'll tap out. But yeah, that was the, that was the biggest thing was that, damn, like I'm on and I'm on forever. Forever. You know, even when they're 18, 22, 25, mm-hmm. I'm still going to be their father. And even though they'll be able to take care of themselves, right. you know, if they get in a jam, daddy's still got to be there. So mm-hmm. that was the biggest change. That was the biggest shift. Wow. I mean, that's 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 real talk. I, I'm just thinking uh, you said something about um, even when they're adults, you know, you're still their yeah. father. And I've heard yeah. other uh, men that I've talked to say that because the stigma is that, oh, well, you know, when they get 18, they're at the house, then I'm free. You know, it's like, you know, if you're hands on and you care about your children, then you're still there for them. Because again, yeah. and you know, and I know as a uh, older men, grown ups, mm-hmm. right? When you turn 18, right. you don't still know a thing. You know what I'm saying? When you're right. 21, you still know a, a very little. And so you really, you know, need your parents to help guide you along certain ways uh, in this life. And so it's very important to have your parents there. And, you know, I always wondered where that came from. Like, I didn't know if that was like a, a cultural thing. You know what I mean? Like, you know, if that's like a, a black family thing, mm-hmm. if it's a, a thing of the impoverished, we don't have anything. You know, we've got to scrape and scrap for everything that we have. Right. Once you're of age, you know, we can't have no dead weight in here. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, you know, like mm-hmm. everybody's got to be pulling in the right direction. And I don't know if that's, you know, where that came from. Or maybe it was just somehow we got on that track that that's like a moment of independence. Mm. But I think I'm raised in a different family. I'm in a different circumstance than the circumstance I was raised in. Mm -hmm. And I do absolutely see the benefit of giving children, even like adult children, opportunity to figure it out, Mm. which is something I never had. Like, I was working on my 18th birthday. <laughs> I had an apartment on my 18th birthday. Right. You know, if I if I had 12 months to figure it out, I might have discovered that I wanted to go to culinary school mm-hmm. or I wanted to get into politics. Who knows what would have happened if I had if I didn't have the pressure of being an adult on the nose. And mm. so what I want to be able to do is is foster an environment that doesn't make my my daughters codependent but gives them enough runway mm-hmm. to figure some stuff out you know right let them work with a net for a little bit so that you know they can make a, a decision because i know a lot of people that started working at 18 mm-hmm. and can never stop working because their life is they got bills right people who go like I, if i could take eight months off Mm-hmm. to go back to school or to pick mm-hmm. up a new, like, I really want to do this. Right. You know, I didn't learn that till I was 22 though. 
and they never get that chance because now they in the rat race. Now they in right. the hamster wheel. Right. So, you know, that's I'd like to to do that. I have to learn how to do it, but I want to do it. I like the point that you make about, you know, giving them a net, right, to work with and allowing them to, you know, figure it out somewhat, but also know that they can still come to you if they need advice or they need direction or what have you and knowing that you're there for them. And I think that's super, super important and super key for, you know, life, especially now with the way the world is structured and how, you know, things are just operating. Back in the day, right, when our parents and our parents' parents was coming up, you had limitations as far as maybe what job you can do or maybe, you know, what place you can go in life. The world is our oyster. Yeah, there's still obviously things that can hinder us and and we know that, right? But I'm saying like the opportunities are much greater and when you can allow your child to figure out what it is they exactly want to do so they can be happy with the profession they get, it's huge. It's huge. That quality of life is huge. You said something about, you know, you want to differ from how you were raised and how you're raising your daughters. What is the difference, if you can talk about that, about like how yeah. you're raised versus uh, how you're raising your children? So I was raised in a, a nuclear household. I believe that's the term. I was raised with my mom and dad until my senior year in high school, at which time uh, they separated. Was raised in the church, mm-hmm. grew up in the church. Hallelujah. I'm telling you. Well, mm-hmm. well it's interesting because that's a point of contrast, mm-hmm. uh, especially now. My father was an amazing provider, right? Mm -hmm. Now, my dad didn't know his dad, right? So my dad came into not only the marriage with my mom, but fatherhood with no map. Okay. Right? Like, no map, no guidance, Mm -hmm. no direction, no elder, like, no senior person to kind of tell him how to do it. Right. And so my pop glommed on to the most apparent thing that he didn't have from his father, which was his father never provided. Mm. So my dad's DNA locked in on provision. Right. And he worked hard, you know, to deliver and provide for his family. What I've recognized is, is that there's two P's. There's provision and then there's presence, Mm. right? And though my dad was an amazing provider, he spent so much time providing that we that he wasn't always present. Mm. Present in the sense that, like, you know, we could have a friendship when I was younger, right? Now, he and I have a wonderful friendship now when we sit and talk and now we do all of those things. But that was the one kind of thing that, like, that, like, that was a part of my upbringing that I'm looking at a different direction. The other one is, is that he and my mom did not have a good marriage, right? Mm. It definitely, like I said, we grew up in the church. So if you looked at us, you'd have no, I- no idea. Right. That there was all this drama going on in the background, right? Right, behind the um, scenes. Behind the scenes, because we're there every day on Sunday. We're checking mm-hmm. our card. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We're getting our cracker. We got our grape juice. You know what I mean? Like, you know, we're good. Right. Another four weeks of being covered by the blood, right? Right. So, uh, blood package. Blood that, package. Right? Yeah, the blood package. Exactly. <laughs> like you're, it's like the deductible you pay on your insurance. Right, right, right. Like, right. You was Gucci. Good. Yeah. Four I'm months. Good. Four, four weeks. We good for four weeks. We good for four. We got to re up. I got to re up on that salvation. Right, um, right. So, those were the two things that like form the contrast for how I'm raising my kids. Mm. Like my father, I am a provider. 
mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, and I believe in that. I also make it a point to be present, right? Like, you know, like get off the couch, get on the floor and play, mm-hmm. right? So like, mm-hmm. you know, I definitely like do that. And then the second thing is, is that raising two daughters, I've got two tests to pass. The way I treat their mother is going to frame how they view men, how mm-hmm. they view marriage, right. how they view life. So how I treat their mom and the conditions in which I raise them in, the home in which I raise them in is super important. And then A, the way that they're treated by their dad, mm-hmm. right? Any man that's ever attempted to go on a date knows how pivotal either one of those lessons or impact can be, yes. right? Like, you know, a woman with daddy issues, mm-hmm. right? Either because a daddy didn't love them enough mm-hmm. or daddy wasn't there or daddy was abusive. And they take all of that baggage and that experience into like their new relationships. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they have to unlearn things and relearn things and, you know, run away from things. So for me, it's like, okay, this is what dad did. Sometimes a map of where not to go is just as important as a map of where to go, right? And my dad left me a fantastic map of both what a good man is, Mm. what a good father is, but also not a bad father, because I'll never say that, but Mm -hmm. like, you know, a better father. Ways to make improvements that you you can improve. I got it. I got you. That frames the central thesis of what I'm trying to do over here. Yeah, you said some really good things. I think it's um, when you talk about the fact of how, like you said, you have two tests, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, they're looking at you, how you treat your mother or how you treat your wife, yep. excuse me, and how that's going to shape them of how they go about and looking for a man. And when they get of age, of course, and how that's mm-hmm. going to work. I don't think that a lot of fathers see that and they don't notice that that's how, you know, you're showing your child and they're going to take mm-hmm. the negative and the positive. So they're going to look at the good things, but then also the negative things that they look at, they're going to put that on as well. They're going to take that on, whether it's the daughters having issues, like you said, daddy issues or men having issues Mm -hmm. as well, right? Because it happens both Mm -hmm. ways. And so having those issues and how they form as a child because of how the parents are acting in the home. And so, um, yeah, I think that's great that you realize that you know, from jump and took, you know, what you took from your father and being a provider and Mm -hmm. just kind of take it to the next level. It was so important to do so. Like all couples fuss, all -hmm. couples argue. That's the nature Mm -hmm. of the interaction. (laughs) (laughs) We we got that in Eden. Right, right, right. (laughs) That's one-on-one. The fussing. The fussing. Why did you eat that apple? Right. Um, But like, you know, what I I try not to do, I try not to fuss in front of my daughters. Mm -hmm. I don't want to ever let them see me speaking angrily to their mother. Right. right. Because, again, that's not the kind of conditioning that that I want to uh, set. The other thing that, like I said, we're talking about my pop is, is that, you know, being a provider, he was kind of like Lord of the Manor. I pay every bill in this house. <laughs> right. Like, you know. Right. So nobody, you know, nobody had a voice. Nobody could have an opinion. Nobody could have a perspective because they ain't paying no bills in here. Mm. Right. And, and everything, you know, when you look at, at, a, at a, a father who's like primary secret move is provision. Uh Anything that the daddy doesn't like is automatically disrespectful because you disrespecting the provision. Uh How dare your room not be clean? 
as hard as I'm working. Right, you know, right. How dare you scuff up these shoes mm-hmm. as hard as I'm working, right? right. Like, you know, so I did not want economics and money to be the through line between every family interaction mm-hmm. in my house from what I saw, right? These were the landmines that I felt like did my parents' marriage in mm-hmm. and also the landmines that like me and my siblings had to navigate. New field, less landmines. But I'm aware of it. I'm acutely aware of it. Like there are times where I can hear my father in me. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? When somebody will say something, like ain't nobody paid for nothing <laughs> in here. You know what I mean? But I check myself, right? That's in my DNA. That's in my programming, uh-huh. right? There's the programming of my father in me. And I have to recognize that no matter like what firmware I have running, the operating system and the programming that I have comes directly from my father. So I'm always mindful of when I hear my dad's voice, uh-huh. when I hear that that thing to check it, to choke that part off. So I've always taken the good parts of my experience with my dad and what he taught me about being a man and a father, but always being certain to try to keep a tourniquet on those parts that you know are not necessarily conducive to the best household. That's good. That's good. I'll give you the church. I'll let the church say amen. Amen. <laughs> uh, I want to pivot a little bit and discuss race because um, this podcast is centered around fathers of color. We kind of mm-hmm. touched on it a little bit and how that works uh, culturally speaking, but how important to you is race or discussing race when it comes to raising your children? Oh, very important. In this household, my wife is mixed. Her father is black. Her mother is white. So I have a whole white side of the family. And, you know, my wife for some time kind of identified as I'm just Kendra, right? Like, you know, I'm mixed race and I'll never know what that's like, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, because all I ever had the option to be was black, right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, I'm raising black girls, right? Mm -hmm. The mother might be, you know, mom, you know, baby, you might be mixed. Mm -hmm. That's great. These are black girls, right? (laughs) Like, you know. When they get picked up from school, and we out here in the burbs, it ain't a lot of us. When mm-hmm. they get picked up from the school, they get picked up, their daddy's black. And everybody's going to know them two little girls is black because mm-hmm. of who their daddy is. So all around this house, we've got images and art of black excellence. You know what right. I mean? Like, you know, we've got examples of, you know, black people. We tell black stories, and we make sure this is a very black household. And it's important because... There probably was a generation. This is like the only this is this is like the one kind of benefit of social media that I think has kind of helped us out. There was a long narrative that like black fathers were absentee, baby daddy, mm-hmm. not in anybody's life. And maybe that was the case for about like 15 years. I don't know. What I do know is is that it seems as though, you know, and this might be like people want to make sure they ain't being a bad dad on the gram. Mm-hmm. But like I see a lot of black fathers being very active in their kids' lives. You know what I mean? Like, you know, mm-hmm. breaking that cycle. Maybe the thing that like my dad was able to do for me all those odd, you know, years ago. But it's very important that like, you know, that I represent as a black dad, um, not only in this household, but at the school and at the after school program and mm-hmm. you know, and wherever else that I go with these children, you know, it's important and I get involved. You know, in some households, like, you know, the the wife kind of handles all the administrative responsibilities. Like, Mm -hmm. not me. Like, I'll call the school. You know what I mean? Like, you know, and they'll hear my voice. Just 
having that in the mix is a game changer, right? Like, you know, when you got, you know, two parents, you know, hands on, it just fundamentally defines me. My tribe of guys are all doing the same thing, you know, very much like involved in like, you know, their kids' lives and taking pride in it. And it's not like a badge of honor to be like the absentee daddy. Uh We'd lose a lot of respect for you. Yeah. You weren't, you know, being president in your (laughs) kids' lives. Like, you know, there wouldn't be no envy. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like, oh, you know, he gets to do right. such and such. It's like, man, where you, where are your kids at, man? You know what I mean? Like, you know. <laughs> I know your dad. Even, where, where they at? Yeah. And even if you're not on good terms with their mother, right? Like, you know, it's still incumbent upon you. You got to figure that out. Like, you know, she cannot be the reason why you don't have a productive relationship with your kids. Yes. Right? Like, you know, so I'm not trying to hear nothing about her. You know what I mean? You know, and if if she's really cutting up, then you got you got legal recourse, bro. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like you know, if she's really cutting up, have my wife talk to her. Uh-huh. Maybe y'all stuff is so toxic that you need a mediator, uh-huh. right? Like you you need somebody who's agnostic to come in and say, "Girl, let that man be with his kids on his weekend." You know, just don't be handcuffed and hand tied. That's how we talk. You know, my little group of black dads. That's how candid and frank we are. That's good. And I like how you say you have a tribe of men that are doing the same mm-hmm. thing. And you and it sounds like you keep each other accountable. And I yeah. think that's something that is is huge. And we should be doing, mm-hmm. especially, you know, amongst our black men. And you, you know, you mentioned social media and you're seeing more at the forefront of black men with their children and and celebrities and, and famous people who are sitting there, mm-hmm. you know, taking care of of their children. Um, I wanted to ask you this um, because I know you got your posts on a lot of things. It's been an ongoing thing, but recently it came out again about Russell Wilson and um, how he is and Sierra. And of course, you know, he came in the picture and he was the stepdad. A lot of men were hating on him because he was taking care of that child. Like he was his own biological child. And so how do you feel about that? Because you know, I see you just lighten it up. Because um, I, I really want to get your, I really want to get your Tony Price take on this. Because I feel like if you are in a blended family, and I've talked to you know men who are in blended families, it's like, and this is again what I've talked because I'm not a father, and, and everyone knows this. I've heard that from them that when you treat the child that is not your biological child different. It's going to create a rift. They need to see that they are just as much your child as your biological children. So that's why I didn't understand the hate that was coming his way. But take it away, Tony Price, because I got to hear your take. You know what? I have never seen in all my times and travels, Mm -hmm. two secure men have beef. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I've never seen a guy walk in a room and look at another guy and be like, man, he's got everything together just like me. And I hate him. Right? <laughs> that never happens, right? You only get that dynamic when it's very clear that somebody is doing life better than somebody else. Mm. That somebody else is not haunted by the same demons or hindered by the same obstacles or tethered to the same stuff. In my mind, if I've got a child with a woman and we break up and there's another man in that child's life who wants to love on my daughter the same way I want to love on my daughter, Mm -hmm. I want my daughter to have an embarrassment of riches. Mm. I want her to have as much love and support as possible. 
What the beef is, is not with the guy. The beef is with the girl. And you can't call it for what it is. If you don't like that circumstance, then come get your kids. Hmm. Then come get your kids. Hmm. Right? Like, you know, like, you know, if you don't like the dynamic, there's another man in the house. Right. My daughter's calling her dad, him daddy, and me daddy too, or whatever. Well, listen, it is what it is, bro. You know what I mean? Like, you know, but what you got to do, what is in front of that is, is that like, there's a saying like, you know, like you're ahead of your skis. You're putting your ego and your emotions and your insecurities above what is good and healthy for that child. Huh. All of that energy and hating on Russell Wilson ain't got nothing to do with what's best for the baby. It ain't got nothing to do right. with what is best for the baby. It got everything to do with your wounded spirit. Huh. That either A, the woman is with somebody else, or B, that somebody is out daddying you. Wow. That's all it is. That's yeah. all it is. Uh, two beta fish. Mm-hmm. My, my, my daughters have, have an aquarium. It's a beta fish. And it's, it's beautiful. It's a hardy fish. But they tell you, you cannot put this beta fish in a tank with another beta fish. Right. They will attack each other. They will die, right? And it's because whatever it is that goes on in fish psychology, one cannot exist as long as the other is there. And as far as I know, all the good, secure, evolved men who just happen to not either be with the woman or have the child out of wedlock, none of these guys are intimidated by the presence of other men. Uh-huh. Now, if you got concerns, if, if the guy ain't no good, you know, she done, she done got together with, with, with somebody who has like, you know, poor, you know, moral takings uh-huh. and does shady things and maybe has a shady past, okay, you got something to say about that. It's a different story. in that particular instance, it's the child's well-being that, that you're putting first. Right. And you're worried about the child. But if he's if he just being a good dude <laughs> and you got a problem with that, then you're not putting what's, the, what's best for that baby first. You're putting, you know, what's best for you first. And the only men that I've seen, like, volley over those type of criticisms are usually men that, like, still have some more classes to take. They need mm. some more credits. They haven't they haven't graduated yet. <laughs> right, like, right. You know, a little they deficient. Haven't graduated yet. To the credits. Yeah, real, men, real men don't worry about that. Like real men don't even like play those types of games. Like, you know, once you get to a certain level of manhood and fatherhood, like that seems really silly and petty. And the posture and positioning of someone that's dealing with like a lot of insecurity in their own life and spirit. So I see it all. It's perplexing, but you know, idiots do what they do. You said it well. <laughs> you said it well. I was thinking that, but I wanted uh-huh. you to say it because you are a father. You could speak to that as a father. But yeah. like, I look at that the same way as a father who does not take care of their children. Like, I just can't right. understand. You're not cool with the moms, right? Or you guys mm-hmm. have beef or you guys don't get along or whatever. But that has nothing to do with that child. And right. so to not take care of the child for whatever reason, it's crazy. I I, I was uh, interviewing a guy on this podcast and he was telling me his dad, you know, was gone from jump. Mm-hmm. And so he was raised by a mom, single mom, and he didn't um, meet his dad or he didn't see his dad again until he's 31. You know, they had a conversation. It was like a death in the family. So that's why he came around and he talked to him and he basically, you know, he said, so why weren't you there? Like, why weren't you around? Like, what happened? And he basically told him straight face and, you know, and looked him in the eye and said, because I told your mom not to have you. 
And mm. his thing was like, I didn't want you. So therefore I wasn't going to accept the responsibility yeah. for you. And I'm just like, yo, that's bonkers. Like, that's crazy that you get to the point where it's like, I did not want this child. And so therefore uh-huh. I'm absolving myself from you completely, even though you're my seed, you're my blood, all of that. Yeah. It was just, I just can't, I just can't fathom. I just can't fathom it. That's like villainous behavior. Like mm-hmm. if I was writing like a screenplay and mm-hmm. I was like, all right, what is the, what is the villain? <laughs> right, 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 right. Right, exactly. Like if I was writing, if I was like a real Star Wars, no, like, yeah. what does Darth finally say to Luke? He's like, I, I told your mama never to have you. Like that's how that's how preposterous that is. Yo, like, right? That's how preposterous. It but but at the same time, you know, if I if I'm if I'm keeping it one hundred, there is a bridge between sex and accountability. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, you know, like there is definitely a the hope is the hope is, is that even if you slept with the girl and you never liked the girl and you just made all you just decided, you you know, you just did it like, you know, like guys do. And she gets pregnant. The hope is, is that the awareness that your child is alive is enough to activate like you to be on there. It doesn't happen all the time. That's tragic, right? Mm. Like, you know, like that is, is is tragic. The other thing that I've like debated over, over the years, then is, and again, this is me like being certain that like economics and prosperity don't always have anything to do with being a good father, right? I know a guy like he just, he don't have no skills, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, like he can't make more money than what he makes. You know what I mean? Like, you know, gotcha. and there are some people that would be like, well, you well, you know, you need to go get a skill and go, you know, mm-hmm. I would know, I, I would go to I would go to trade check. I learned how to be an electrician to, you know, take care of my kids. That's that's all like solid points. But what he does do back when things were open is is he walks his kid to school mm. and walks his kid home every day. He's present. Now, in the meantime, you know, it, those are the two P's. Mm-hmm. Ideal, you want both. You know what I mean? Like, you know, right. but I take I think a good dad can have one. Ideally, you have both. If there's a, a father who can't, you know, provide, but is present, I'll take that. You know what I'm saying? If there's, some, there's some good daddy in right. that you can get out of that. The mm-hmm. same way I got good daddy in out of, you know, my, my, my pops on provision. Mm-hmm. Ideally, you do both. But, you know, what's interesting is, is that, like, unfortunately, kind of harking back to the whole black daddy thing that we were talking about, you got a lot of men out here without a map. They don't know how to do it. They don't know. Nobody's ever told them that you got to do both, that you got to provide and be present. They don't have any examples. Like a buddy of mine, you know, didn't have a good relationship with his dad. One day he, you know, decided, you know, he and his dad decided they was going to go out to the bar for drinks. And his dad kept talking about the girls. Look at the hoes. You know what I mean? That, 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 that. Off of that, the programming that he was giving his son so then years later, I'm watching him interact with his little boy, and he's talking about how cute the girls are ah. with his little boy, hmm. right? You know, and, and I waited to the appropriate moment after we had had a drink or two in a private setting. I was like, yo, you know that's some sins of the father type stuff right there, right? You know what I mean? Like, you know, like the same programming that you got from your pops, mm-hmm. you actually putting on your boy. 
And you're not talking about these little girls like little human beings. You're talking about them like little things. And I'm telling you that because I got two little girls in the same city as this boy that you're raising, uh-huh. right? And it's incumbent upon me that you raise that little boy right because he's going to grow up next to my girls. Facts. So, like, we, we're talking village now, homie. Right, <laughs> you know right, like, you right. Know, I'm not trying to be in your house like that. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to overstep my bounds. But we black, and this is a community. We here in the burbs, they going to grow up together. Now, I know you, and I know this little boy. I don't want to have to worry about my little girls hanging out with your little boy. Mm-hmm. And, and understand, like, you know, is that really the right message you want to send to your kid at that age? Those are difficult conversations, but yes. worthwhile conversations. Yes. I'm glad we had it because, you know, he could have been like, yo, whatever, tone, mind your business. Cool. Right. These are daddies trying to be better daddies to hold each other accountable. I'm all about that. I'm all about that. And why can't we do more of that? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think that obviously we come from an age where especially, you know, we can be like, don't, don't tell me how to raise my kids and don't tell me, you know, mm-hmm. what have you. But I think, like you said, and, and, and I'm going back to what you said earlier about you have a group of men that you keep each other accountable. And, and a lot of things, and I think the conversation you had with, with old boy, I think that was a, a situation, like you said, you took him, it was a private setting, you know, he was comfortable, you mm-hmm. weren't coming at him in a derogatory right. manner. You know, you came at him right. at, at a level of like, all right, like, I just want to show you something. And you you made it clear to him, and I'm sure that he doesn't want his son to be that way. He just is doing mm-hmm. what he was taught from his dad or what he saw exactly. from his dad. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You're just pointing it out. So I, I think that that's good yeah. that you, you know, you went and that the step and did it in the way that you did, because I think that a lot of our younger fathers can learn from that. Absolutely. And again, like it'll be generational, you know, like, you mm-hmm. know, there's not a whole lot of older fathers, older husbands, like, especially if like you're not in the church, right? Like, you know, like if you're in the church, like there's no shortage of quality elders, mm-hmm. but not everybody is in the church, right? So right. Like, how do you find a good mentor mm-hmm. to double check your work as a father? Right. Who do you have to proofread your efforts as a father? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, you know, and most of us, you know, there's a lot of men who don't have that. Mm. They don't have anybody to proofread or double check they work as a father. And so you just got to hope. You got to hope that you're doing right. But it's the type of thing, man, where you don't know if you got to, that when you're raising kids, man, that seeds in the ground. Yes. Sometimes the fruit of what they saw or what they experienced or what you taught them don't manifest till much later. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> you know? Yes. And so I'm all about going like, yo, what's in my blind spot? Like everybody, you know what I mean, that, that I'm cool with. I'm like, listen, here's where I need the most help. I need the most help in the areas of my life that I can't see my blind spots. Mm. You see me doing something with my wife. You see me doing something with my kids. You see me, you know, exhibiting behaviors that like, you know, might actually do damage to my family in the long run, even if it's not directly connected right. to, to, you know, to, to my wife and kids. If I'm turning up too much, too far from home, right? Like, you know, like if, if whatever you see in my blind spot, call me on that because that's important because I don't know it. Right. I can't see it unless it creeps its way into my purview. And the check-in. I call my guys, you know, how you doing? How's your wife? Uh-huh. How's your marriage? Uh-huh. How's your kids? And like I said, our, our kids are young now. So for the most part, it's just hilarity of like, you know, just the experience of right. like 
having young ones, but I do want to set that cadence, a check-in, and village it out, man. Be a, a true village and raise a, a whole nother crop that has the best of everything. Absolutely. And I, and I think you said one of the things is, too, and you know from, like you said, just like me, I grew up in church as well, as you know, and it, you have a lot of that in our church, especially our black churches, where, you know, you do help out with them. I remember being disciplined by so many people in the church, aside from my parents, you know what I'm saying? The missionaries and the deacons and everybody took their turn, you know, it was just, but it wasn't, it wasn't on some hate. It was just like, look, you know, my parents may not have been around at that moment. I'm doing something bad. Yeah. So they're checking me like, hey, man, mm-hmm. that's, not, that's not what we do over here. You know what I'm saying? Type thing. Right. It's so important that we can do that and finding a tribe. And like I said, getting a village together that we can and help support one another and keep each other accountable because we definitely need more of it. We know that a lot of our parents, right, in mm-hmm. our black communities, a lot of them were not there. One of the reasons why I do this podcast, I've done this podcast, I'm doing it, is I want to dispel the myth because there are men that are taking care of their children. I was interviewing someone else and they were saying, this is uh, us, like, you know, between, you know, I would say like 25 and 45, this generation is the one that's like, no, I'm taking care of my children. No, this is, yes. this is what we're doing over here. I'm not doing what my dad right. did or what my grandpa did or whatever. I'm taking care of my kids. Mm-hmm. And I think that's good. And if we can continue to, to move in that direction and keep using that as, like you said, social media, letting that be what shines out, right? Letting that be the focus. Yeah. I think we can really get there. We can absolutely get there. Right. Because like, you know, you've got a son and you're doing it the right way. Mm-hmm. Think about all the guesswork that comes out of that son's experience. Yeah. He can go into the family business, Mm -hmm. the family business of being a good dad. He don't have to extract or unlearn or just this, this, and that. He's got an example. He's got a model that he can build off of. That's beautiful. And once we start doing that, three or four generations, and again, you see some black families and you be like, man, but you find out like, yo, daddy was tight. Uh Granddaddy was tight. Uh Great granddaddy was tight. Uh Right? Like, you know, it's a reason why you feel so comfortable at their barbecue mm-hmm. and why their family is so connected and everything so feels so beautiful and neat right. and polished and loved is you got a legacy. Mm-hmm. And again, you see that legacy, you see it with the matriarch, mm-hmm. you know, far too often when you see it with a patriarch, that's what is really powerful because right. you don't always see that multi-generational daddy's daddy, daddy, daddy. And we got an opportunity to do that. And that's what's so exciting. Right. You know what I mean? And I don't know if I don't know if a lot of, you know, dads my age recognize, mm-hmm. you know, where in the circle of life they are. Right. Right. Like, you know, like you're almost at Mufasa status. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you know, like, like, like you a bridge. You know right. what I mean? Like, if you do this thing right, if you do this thing right, like you, you are empowering your mm-hmm. kid, you're empowering generations, yes. generations that you will not see. Like, I don't try to get too metaphysical with it. But I recognize that, like, there's a line here. Mm-hmm. It feels a little Game of Thrones, I know. You know what I mean? Like, you know, but there's a line here. I can poison my lineage mm-hmm. or, you know, I can fertilize it, right? And I want it to grow. Mm. That's what's up, man. You dropping yeah. gems, man. This is this is really good. This is really good. Um, <laughs> I know. <laughs> sound effects. Before I let you go, I want to really, I mean, you've been giving advice this whole time, but I want to focus strictly on advice. You know, I, I want this to be a podcast that 
everybody could listen to and learn something from, whether they're, mm-hmm. you know, a dad in training, you know, about to be a dad, you know, someone like me who's not a father, but does want to have children sometime in the future. What would advice would you give to someone that's listening? Before you can be a good father, you got to be a good man. You got to be a good man. Like, you know, if I'm, if I'm using a metaphor and you're the vehicle that has to deliver your family safely to a destination, mm-hmm. if you don't have adequate air in your tires, if you ain't got enough gas in the tank, if your timing belt is off, if your radiator is busted, if your starter or alternator don't work, you cannot deliver your family to where they need to be. So the first thing that you got to do is you got to make sure that you are good, that you have control over your emotions, that you practice keeping your mind sharp, mm-hmm. that you're healthy. This is the number one thing that I'm focusing in on right now. You know what would hurt my family the most right now? If I got sick, and not like COVID sick, but like heart attack, mm-hmm. high blood pressure, diabetes. So I'm even thinking like, man, I got to be healthy. You know, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm providing, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm making money, I'm bringing in money, and I'm on the floor playing, mm-hmm. and I'm treating everybody right, and I'm doing everything. But if I'm not eating right, Mm. You know what I mean? Like, you know, if I'm not exercising, if I'm not healthy, I'll drop dead mm. and leave my family without their leader. Mm-hmm. And this is wholly in my control to get my body right, get my mind right, get my health right. So, again, the biggest advice, bro, is like it starts with you. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you are the well that your family will drink from. If the water is pure, everything gets nourished from the well. Mm. The land gets the crops, the crops grow and feed the family, the oxen and the cow, the water for the soup, the water to quench the thirst, the water to wipe off and clean and bathe and get rid of the germs. Mm -hmm. All of that comes from the well. All of that comes from the well. And you are the well. So you got to look at yourself and say, is the well deep enough? Do I have enough here? And I'm always being certain that what's coming from me is the purest possible. You don't got to be Arrowhead. <laughs> right, not even Arrowhead. <laughs> it don't have to come from a mountain screen. <laughs> I gave my family Arrowhead, man. Now we divorced. Kids won't talk to me. Um, <laughs> but, but, you, but you get the point. The yes, point is yes. that like, it, starts with, it starts with you. And so, you know. If you are mindful and being like, listen, man, I'm operating at the best capacity I am as a man, everything should fall in place. And that comes with having a full toolbox of emotions at your disposal. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, you know, when you're a father, you got to be able to articulate to somebody that you're scared or I'm concerned or I'm frustrated yes. or I'm doubtful. You know what I mean? Like, you know, because if you don't have that, you become one of those daddies that only has two options mm. either he's asleep or he's angry mm-hmm. and everything makes him mad you know what right. i mean because he's not able to say like i'm embarrassed or i'm ashamed or i was wrong right and you're gonna need all of those emotions to be a good daddy you can't always be firing brimstone mm-hmm. you can't always be you know you can't always be the hammer you can't always be the knuckles sometimes they need the palm Right. You know what mm. I mean? Like, you know, and daddies with daughters know that, but you can't be all palm that you don't give these little girls some knuckles. And I do that, too. The important thing I think is, is that's like you got to make sure 
You got to lift up the hood of the car and make sure you running right. And whether that's mentally, physically, emotionally, if you're running right, you can figure out everything else. You can handle everything else the right way. You'll get curveballs. You'll get setbacks. These kids will disappoint you. They will anger you. But if you are anchored right, you will figure it out. You will make the right decision more times than you make the wrong decision. And when you make the wrong decision, you won't beat yourself up about it because you know you're right. You're tethered in the right place. That's the best advice that I could give. That's what I try to do. You know what I mean? To to keep myself in a good place where I can be a good man first, a good husband, and a good father. That's what's up, man. Ladies and gentlemen, Tony Price. This hey. man, this man, give him a show. Give him a give him a show. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, give it to him. <laughs> NBC, ABC, where you at? Give this man a show, man. He's dropping all the gems today. Oh man, it's, it's so it's so crazy, man. Because like, like I said, the con- the context you you know me in mm-hmm. is different than this, right? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, you know, yes. Because you you know, like our background is is you know you know we've been on stage at the same place. I'm not a poet like you, mm-hmm. but I you know, and I wouldn't even go so far as to call myself a stand up comedian, but like you know. I've got strong opinions. I like to observe. I do think that this is just the other side of that coin. Mm-hmm. There's one part of me that's just like very mischievous mm-hmm. and loves to kind of have that kind of like observational fun, but like all things being balanced. And then there's another yes. side that like takes this stuff really seriously yes. and thinks about it. You know, I just think what you're doing with this is is so wonderful. You know, I hope so many men listen. I hope so many women listen. Yeah, I want everybody, 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 not just men. This is an important conversation. Yes. And, you know, not everybody is magnifying and amplifying these voices. And I'm sure you know this from doing the show and, and what, you know, you know, the listeners that are listening to all the different episodes. It ain't one way to do it right. Mm-hmm. You're going to get a lot of people oh, with, yeah. with their own unique genome of how they're getting it. And that's what's so beautiful is yes. that like, you know, all of us are, are are figuring out a way to do it, you know, in a cool way. The key word is everybody's getting it, though. That's the point. Everybody's yeah, getting that's it. it. Everybody's getting it. And that's, that's it. And, and those are the people that are on this uh, platform. So um, I appreciate you, man. I really do appreciate you um, answering the call. And uh, doing this before we close, um, get the church. Yeah. I need some church argument before we <laughs> before we come to a close, ladies and gentlemen, uh, mm-hmm. saints. Uh, before we come to a close, I want you to let the people know where you they can find you, uh, where you at on social media, and whatever they can support and what you got going on. Yeah, absolutely, man. So um, I run a couple of businesses. I run a black trivia business called Black FAQ. So you can go to blackfaq.com where I've got uh, trivia on. Uh, black culture. So black movies, black television, oh. uh, black music, black culture. I wrote a couple of children's books. You know, my oldest daughter is on the autism spectrum. We didn't get into that. But I wrote a book called My uh, Authentic, Terrific, Autistic Sister. Hmm. Uh, and that business can be found on littlereaders.co, L-I-T-T-L-E, uh, readers.co. And then lastly, I do a little bit of satire on an Instagram page called The Dozens uh, Net. So you can go at the dozens net and see, um, you know, how I, how I lampoon <laughs> society. And those are just, you know, those are the things that, that, that I do to make me happy. Um, neither one of them are like my primary gig. But, you know, if you want to support, that'd be a great place to start. 
That's dope. That's dope. Again, thank you so much, uh, Tone. And I want to thank uh, everyone Brother. for tuning in. Uh, again, this is Lincoln Galvis, a.k.a. Saint. And until we speak again, God bless and take care. Colors of Fatherhood is produced by Josh Rodriguez and Saintly Productions. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and share with all your family and friends. Please remember to follow us on social media at Stay on the Mic and at Colors of Fatherhood. And for all your booking needs, please visit www.stayonthemic.com. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next episode.